Now, if you do have your Bible with you this morning, please to turn back to the book of Jonah as we look at Jonah chapter 1 this morning. So this morning we're starting this new series in Jonah, and Jonah is a brilliant story, a brilliant story that has so much to teach us. It's a story that, of course, that that most of us know well, or we think we know well, because as always, when we come to a story like Jonah, there are always things that we've missed, and there are always new things to learn, aren't there? Now, just to give you some context here, Jonah was a prophet in the 8th century BC, and he's referred to in 2 Kings 14, uh, verse 25, as a prophet who was from Gath Hefer, which was in Galilee, two miles away from where Jesus was brought up in Nazareth. And so later in the New Testament, when the teachers of the law say that no prophet ever comes from Galilee, they conveniently forget about Jonah, because Jonah was from Galilee. Now in the book of Jonah, the book is about repentance and faith and mercy and justice and grace. And it all starts with the call that God places upon Jonah's life, because God calls Jonah to do something. In verses 1 and 2, it says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, God, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, just as a a side note here, because I thought this would be helpful this morning, I want you just in those two verses to notice the sovereignty of God. Did you notice that? Sometimes we think that God doesn't truly see what's happening in the world. That God truly doesn't care what's happening in the world. Nineveh was in Assyria. It wasn't part of Israel. It was a place where the Gentiles were. It wasn't a place where God's chosen people dwelt. And yet... God knew what was happening there, and he cared enough to do something about it, to send Jonah. And I guess with what's happening in Ukraine at this time, that's worth reflecting on, isn't it? That God is sovereign, that he cares about what's happening in our world. We need to trust that, don't we? Do you trust that this morning? that God has things in his hands. Yes, that's difficult at times when you see what's going on in the misery. But do you believe that God really does have things in control? So God calls Jonah the prophet to carry out a task, to go and to preach to those in Nineveh. But does Jonah do as God bids him? Absolutely not. It says in verse 3, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now, there are many ideas as to why Jonah runs away. I think when I was growing up and I knew this story, I always thought that Jonah ran away because he was scared. It's 
Sometimes we think that, don't we? When we, we see this story, we think, you know, Jonah's running away because he's scared. He's afraid to go to Nineveh because of its wickedness. But that simply isn't true. Because it says here, not that Jonah ran away from Nineveh, but he ran away from the Lord. Do you notice that? He ran away from the Lord. And so what I want you to notice is that the reason that Jonah ran away was willful disobedience. He heard the message from the Lord and he decided he wasn't going. He wasn't going to go. And he doesn't just decide to, to conveniently ignore God. You ever do that in your life? You hear what someone is saying, but for whatever reason, you, you, you pretend not to hear it. You know? You really do need to go and do the dishes, but you're quite enjoying watching the television, so you just, I won't listen to that. I'll just keep watching. Does that ever happen? You're obviously a lot holier than I am then. Of course it happens, doesn't it? Those times when you, you ignore something and you try to focus on something else. But that isn't what happens here. Jonah's hearing is fine. He hears the message. He hears what God is calling him to do and he disobeys. And to show you how much Jonah disobeys, have a look at this map. You see very clearly, right, Nineveh is over here. Okay, jo Jonah's probably around here. Nineveh is just further up and he's in Galilee. To see how far Jonah goes, he goes all the way down to Joppa to get a boat to Tarshish. It's as far away as you could get in, your, in Mediterranean terms. He's, he's getting as far away as he can possibly go. So it's not as if Jonah's just running a wee bit away away. He's going miles and miles away. Jonah's in Galilee. And instead of going to Nineveh, he goes down to Joppa and then gets this boat to Tarshish. It's going the opposite direction from where Jonah was meant to be going. So this wasn't a case of, of Jonah pretending not to hear God and, and having his fingers in his ears. He heard God and he decided to disobey anyway. It's willful disobedience. He's running from God. He doesn't want to do it and he's not going to do it. Now, the reason for this is revealed in chapter 4. Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh because Jonah knows that God is a gracious and compassionate God. And he knows that if he goes to Nineveh and preaches and those in Nineveh repent, then God will relent. And that's indeed what happens. And Jonah didn't want this to happen. Why? Because the Assyrians were enemies of Israel. And so he didn't want grace to be shown to them. And so when Jonah gets this message from God, he runs. I'm not going there. No way. I'm off. Now in reality, I don't know what Jonah expected when he runs away from God. Does he truly think that God won't pursue him? Does he truly think that, you know, maybe God will send someone else? We don't know, do we? But I hope you noticed in the story there is a constant going down 
as Jonah runs from God. Did you notice that? He goes down to Joppa. On board the ship. Where does he go? He goes down below deck. And then of course what happens? Well he goes down into the deep. As he's thrown into the sea by the sailors. Jonah is going down, down, down. Further and further away from God. Trying to get further away from God. Now I just want to pause there for a moment because in our own lives, perhaps not in such a, a dramatic way, perhaps we have been running away from God. Maybe we know that God has been telling us to do something or to go somewhere. And either we've been pretending not to listen, fingers in the ears, or in reality we've been running away because we don't want to do it. I remember when I felt God was calling me to the ministry. I was only 17 at the time. And I was fearful. Not sure that I should be going that way. I really didn't enjoy standing up in front of people and speaking. It was horrible. Didn't want to do it. But God kept pursuing me, pursuing me, till I felt compelled. And in a strange way, he changed my heart. So it became the very thing that I I desired to do and wanted to do. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a bit hesitant when God calls us. Think of Moses. Think of Jeremiah. Think of Gideon. Constantly having to put that fleece out. God, are you really saying that? Are you really saying that? They were all fearful. And yet, ultimately, they were obedient. But Jonah, Jonah's very different. What does he do? He runs away. Willful disobedience. And maybe in your life, you know that you've been running away. Maybe in terms of salvation. Maybe you know, maybe you've known for a long time, God has been pursuing you and wanting you to come to him. But you, like the prodigal son, have been running away, running away, running away. I want to say to you this morning, the prodigal son ran away. But he ran away until he could run no more. And if God is pursuing pursuing you, there will be a time when you're caused to stop and to think. And when maybe you change your ways and you long to come to him. In the same way as the prodigal son. Or maybe it's smaller things in your life. Maybe you feel that that God is saying that you should be doing something practical for your your neighbor. Or doing more within the the church family. Or speaking more to your family about about faith. And and you've been putting it off and and putting it off. Oh, Oh God, I'm not quite sure if I'm hearing you right. Effectively, you've been running away, hoping that that God would stop speaking. Or, Lord, please ask somebody else. Not me. Surely not. I want you to see this morning how relentlessly God pursues Jonah. Do you see this this morning? 
God had told Jonah to do something. He really wanted Jonah to do it and not to be disobedient. And so when Jonah gets on that boat to Tarshish, it's as though God says, okay, Jonah, this is the way that you've chosen, but I will pursue you. I will pursue you. Let's look and see what happens in this story. You see, the fact is that you cannot escape from God. If you think this morning that you can escape from God, you cannot escape from God. He will pursue you. You see, God is so mighty. He's so awesome. How could Jonah have expected to escape from God? What does it say in Psalm 139? If I go up to the heavens, Lord, you are there. If I go down to the depths, Lord, you are there. No matter where we are, God is there. We cannot escape from him. And Jonah couldn't escape from him. And so we see that as Jonah gets on this boat and he goes down below deck and he falls into this deep sleep, that God pursues him. How does he pursue him? Well, a violent storm comes up. So violent, the boat's about to break. The sailors are afraid. And all the sailors cry out to their own God. And look at the contrast here between these pagan sailors on the one hand and Jonah. Do you see the contrast? Because the pagan sailors start by calling on their own gods. And they show better character than Jonah, don't they? Because even when he confesses that it's because of him that there is this storm and suggests to these sailors that they throw him overboard, what do the sailors do? They desperately try to save Jonah's life. They try to to row back to shore, but they're unable. And then when they do finally throw Jonah overboard and the sea becomes calm... These pagan sailors, they don't fear their own gods. Who do they fear? The Lord. They fear the Lord. And so the sailors find themselves on a journey of unbelief to belief. But what about Jonah? Well, he doesn't come out of this well, does he? You see, in verse 7, the sailors cast lots to see who's responsible for this calamity. Now the word calamity in verse 7 actually translates the same Hebrew word that's translated as wickedness in verse 2, but it describes the Ninevites. And so what I want you to notice is that, that Jonah is put on a par with those from Nineveh. He's just as wicked as they are. He's no better. Yes, he's a Hebrew, but he's no better. Here he is running away from God and the pagan sailors around him show better character. Now the whole book of Jonah is an interesting one because there are hints, aren't there, of God's care, not just for his own chosen people, but for the Gentiles. And of course that comes out even more clearly in the New Testament, doesn't it? So Jonah, knowing that he's the cause of the storm, asks the sailors to throw him overboard. They're reluctant to do so, but they do. And the sea becomes calm. And it's clear that the Lord is the God of heaven. 
He is the maker of the sea and the dry land, as Jonah had said. And the sailors worship the Lord, and they sacrifice and make vows to him. Now, what of Jonah? Would that be God's judgment on him for being disobedient? Is this God saying, Jonah, you've been disobedient. I'm sending this storm. You're going to be thrown overboard and you're going to drown. Is that it? Is that the end of the story? Did Jonah deserve death? Because you would think that drowning would be Jonah's only fate here, wouldn't you? Of course, what happens? A huge fish. We're not sure what type. Could it have been a whale? Possibly. It swallows Jonah. And he's in his belly. In its belly three days and three nights. Now, of course, we're doing this, aren't we? Because Jesus spoke about the sign of Jonah. Where did Jesus spend time? Three days, three nights. In the grave. In the tomb. It's a picture for us, isn't it? Of what's going to happen with Jesus. But what I want you to see here is that Jonah is unexpectedly saved. Do you notice that? He's just as wicked as the Ninevites are. God, who is a God who is perfect, who is holy, He could have allowed Jonah to die, but he doesn't. He saves him. And that's a picture for each one of us, isn't it? Because sometimes we think, you know, oh, I'm one of the chosen people. I'm not like those nasty Ninevites. I'm not a sinner like them. But the fact is that all of us are sinners who need God's grace. We're all sinners who deserve God's wrath. And yet, what does God do for Jonah? He saves him in the most remarkable way. And what does God do for us? He saves us in the most remarkable way. Because when we were unable to reach out to God, God reached out to us and gave us a Savior in Jesus. Is that not wonderful? And so let's not skip over what happens to Jonah and think, oh, well, you know, it just happened that a big fish came along and swallowed him. This was God who sent it, and it was God being gracious to Jonah. Jesus coming to the world, dying on the cross, is God's grace to you and to me for all who will believe. Because that is the kind of God we have. There are two things I just want to finish with today. The first thing is this. We cannot run away from God. We cannot. He is the God of heaven and earth. He is God. We are human. And we need to do His bidding. And if you're here today and you know You know in your life, you know in your heart that God is calling you to do something. Don't run away from God. Don't get a boat from Joppa to Tarshish. Because God will send a storm to bring you back and say, look, I've called you. 
And you might want your neighbor or your friend to go, but I've called you. And I want you to go. And the wonderful thing is that when God calls, he always equips. We see that throughout the Bible, don't we? Remember Moses? Moses, uh, Moses saying, you know, I can't speak, Lord. I'm a terrible speaker. Please send somebody else. What does God do for Moses? Look, your brother Aaron. He's 83. He can help you, Moses. The two of you together. In the twilight years of your life, I'm sending you to go. I'll help you. I'll enable you. Do you not believe that in your life, whether you're young here today or whether you're getting on in years? If God calls you, He will equip you. Don't run away from Him. The second thing, just to finish with today, Jonah shows himself to be no better than those around him. The sailors show better character and eventually worship the Lord. And Jonah is put on a par with the Ninevites in terms of wickedness. But God still saves Jonah. He still shows Jonah mercy. He still shows Jonah grace. Jonah has a lot to learn, and he is hopefully learning it. He needs to learn humility. And down in the depths, in the stomach of this large fish, he will learn it. And we too need to be humble this morning. If we are a Christian here today, we've not been saved because we are better than those around us. Do you really think that God looked down and said, oh, see that person, they're just better looking than everyone else. I'm going to save them. Do you think that's really the case? Do you think God looked down from heaven and and looked at you and said, you know, you're better than everyone else. Therefore, I will save you. Do you think that's truly the case? Of course it isn't. We have not been saved, if we're a Christian here today, because we're better than others around us. Because to our shame, often others around us, those out with the church, often do better than we do. Often show better character than we do, to our shame. We have to therefore realize that when we are saved by God, It's all of grace. It's simply because of God's love, God's compassion, and God's grace to you. I don't know why He's chosen me, but He has. Is that not wonderful? If you're a Christian here today. You see, God didn't have to send a large fish to swallow Jonah. But He did. He didn't have to send Jesus into this dark world and for Jesus to go to the cross for us. But he did. Why? Because that is the kind of God we have. And if we learn anything from this story of Jonah, it's to see the character of God, that God is gracious and compassionate, that he's slow to anger, and he's abounding in love and faithfulness. The character of God showing grace to us that we might be saved 
and that we might come into the presence of God. And so we need to know this morning, humbly, that we're not saved by our good works. We're not even saved by our good character. We're not saved by our good looks. That's a good thing for me, let me tell you. We're saved simply by grace. And we need to humbly follow in the footsteps of Christ, the servant king who came not to be served, but to serve. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, this story of Jonah has so much to teach us. And we see the willful disobedience of Jonah trying to escape from what he was called to do. And Lord God, as we look at this story, perhaps there are times in our life when we know, Lord God, that you've been pursuing us. Perhaps in terms of salvation, we know that you've been pursuing us for years and years. And yet we've been running and running and running. Lord God, help us to stop. Help us to turn. Help us to come towards you. And to realize all that you have done in the Lord Jesus. And to recognize that you're a God of grace and mercy. Help us to put our faith and trust in Jesus and in Christ alone. And Father, as we come to you this morning, perhaps there are other areas in our life where we we know you're calling us, you're leading us, you're guiding us, and yet we're fearful. Perhaps we have been running away. Lord God, we pray today that we would listen to your voice and we would be a people who do your bidding because we know that when you call, that you equip and we can trust that you will be there. Lord God, help us to follow in the footsteps of Christ and help us to be the people that you have called us to be. We thank you also, Lord God, for the way that we see in this passage your grace to Jonah. Even though he was wicked, as wicked as the Ninevites were, in turning away from you and following his own path, The Lord God, you did not let him drown, but you saved him. And Lord God, as we look at our own lives, we recognize that we are sinners, that we deserve your wrath, and yet you have shown us mercy by sending your Son, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we pray today that we would humbly delight in our salvation and we would truly understand all that you have done for us in Jesus. So Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word today we pray for we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.